What a great day for us to talk about money, huh? If, if you're uncomfortable, you're probably going to get even more uncomfortable. It's a good day, isn't it, Ralph? Wow. Um, you know, when you sit down and you start talking to people about life issues, I think most people would agree that, um, that the Bible has an awful lot to say about a lot of different subjects that are very helpful to us. Dina, wouldn't you agree? Yes, it's a good answer, yes. Whether or not you go to church or not, if they have any, any type of introduction, if they know anything about the Scriptures, regardless if they, if they are a follower of Christ or no, I think that they would agree that it has an awful lot to say about life issues. Um, but the question that some people say, well, does, does the Bible have an awful lot to say about money? And the answer to that is yes. Yes, it is. It does. As a matter of fact, Scriptures will give us probably some 2,300 plus verses that deal with the issue of money and finances. And Jesus himself thought it was so important that he dealt with it more than he dealt with the issues of heaven and hell put together. So Jesus himself thought that dealing with issues of money and possessions was extremely important. But this is a, this is a, a, a statement that some people might make. They might say, well, you know, it was applicable then, but it's really, is it really applicable, those same principles, is it applicable for us today? And the answer to that would be what, Mr. Jerry? Yes. It's absolutely, absolutely God's principles are timeless. Timeless. But why is it then that when we deal with the issues that Scripture has to say, and we start talking about money, if it was so important, why is it that sometimes we get awful nervous in the church settings? Why is it that sometimes we get uh, antsy and all of a sudden there seems to be a conflict? Well, I'm just not going to show up if he's going to be talking about finances. Uh, why is that the feeling? I think a lot of it has to do with perception. Number one, for those of us that may have grown up going to church uh, and, and, and you've grown up and you, you've been through all the little, little classes and you've participated, uh, it seemed like maybe that the only time the church talked about finances was when they wanted something from you, right? And the only reason they were talking about finances was because they were trying to get you to give more and guilt you into doing that. And so that's maybe one of the perception. The other thing, maybe you've really not ever gone to church, but the reason you don't want to go to church is because the people that you hear that go to church, when they talk, they say the only thing they ever talk about is money at that church. So I really don't want to go. A couple of perceptions. Or it might be the implication that pastor's just trying to get all up in my business. Honey, have you been telling him what's been going on in our household? There's all these perceptions and, and the implications. Um, but I think one of the reasons it's so important for us to deal with the issue of money is not only did, did Jesus deal with it, but it's so applicable for where we are today because it, because it affects so many of us in life issues. Finances, I don't, I, I'm assuming that you know this, 30%, 37% of the divorces today, the main contributor to that divorce is what? Finances. I read something, if you're a business owner, this is maybe something for you just to put in, your, in, your, in, in the back thoughts of your mind. 40% of the people that were, were interviewed, um, that were employed by somebody, made this statement, my personal finances, the things that I'm dealing with at, at, the, at my home, affect my production at work. That's something just to think about. For those of you that you have employed, their financial condition, their personal finance has an awful lot to do with their production in the workplace. Or the third thing, how, how 
the implications it, in, in the, um, in, with our neighbors and friends. I, I, I've used this before, but one guy said this. Too many pe people spend too much time trying to buy things they don't need with money they don't have trying to impress people they don't even like. And that's true. Very true. So financial stress is a problem that affects those inside as well as outside the truth and are outside the church. And so here is God's word giving us some principles that we that are, he offers freely to us, guys. Yet so many times we don't want to help to read those or, or, or to listen to what God's word has to say. And so we stand around being ignorant. But if for those of us that are here today that are believers of Christ, it would seem wise to me that we'd want to hear what God's word has to say, but not only hear it, but we desire to apply that to our lives. And so we're going to talk about this issue of, of money. And, and listen, for those of us that, that think you can separate, well, this is my spiritual life and, and this is my financial life. Let me just say this to you. You can't separate the two because how we utilize and leverage our resources is a, is a strong indicator on who we serve. Um, I've never met a person, and if you're here today, I want you to come see me, but the story's not over yet. I've never met a person that fully followed what God's Word has to say and ended up, ended up upside down permanently. If you follow God's principles, I've never met a person that followed God's principles and ended upside down permanently. No, you may go through difficult times because God takes those things that we seem to value the most and he play with, plays with them just a little bit to find out where our, where our trust and our faith really is. But I've never met a person that trusted God, that followed his principles, that remained in that position. But here's the, the kicker. Regardless of where you are, financially, Regardless of, man, you're just blowing and going, or regardless if you're so far back you can't even see sunlight, there's hope. There's hope. And we're going to be talking about that. And the thing that I want sort of in, to indwell in you to start off with is this. God doesn't want anything from you. He wants something for you. And so as we deal with this issue of finance, and here i got Jeff sitting over here, and I've got Mark in here with all these financial gurus. As we talk about the issue of finances, I don't want you to think about God sitting over going, I want you to give me a little bit. I want you to give me a little bit. No, God's saying, listen, I just want to pour the blessings out on you because you're my children. And I want you to look at it from that standpoint. And so with this in mind, over the next, uh, next several weeks, what we're going to do is I just want you to be open and to hear maybe what God may be prompting in your life. Because I promise if you follow what God's Word has to say, it's going to cause you to want to have to make some adjustments. It may be in your spending habits. It may be in where you spend your time. It may be in your giving. Yeah, I don't know what it may be, but God promise you this. If you listen to what God's Word has to say, it is very applicable for you, not only today, but for tomorrow and the generations to come. Um, so let's try to look at money from God's perspective because if we take a, a step back and we see things from God's perspective, we see it from His viewpoint, it'll definitely change the way that we view life. And when we view life from God's perspective, it changes the way that we do life if we're willing to follow Him. So I want you to write down these four words. Will you write them down? Mary had a little lamb. I'm just joking. God owns it all. Write that down. God owns it 
Oh, we're going to start with the bottom line today, and we'll try to take you back, and we're going to look at a couple of passages of Scripture that I think are very applicable to us today. But I want you to write this down as the bottom line. God owns it all. See, it's easy, I think, for us to understand because we've signed on the dotted line that it belongs to us, that it's mine, and that I own it. Um, it might be a car, it might be a house, it might be a checking account, it might be a boat. I don't know what it may be. A, I don't know what it may be. A, what it may be, but it's so easy for us to come to the place that we assume that because I have an acquired possession that it's mine. Sort of leave God out of the picture. Um, as a matter of fact, we as Christians are really good about this. Those of us that are believers, this is, we, we like to live life because this is, this is really good. There's some structure. Okay, God, here's your 10%. Okay, God, you go do with your 10%. I'm going to give you the 10%, but this 90 is mine, and I'm going to do with it over here what I want to do. Listen, guys, I don't find that. I, I find that as you read the Scriptures, everything is His, 100%. You know, the, the, those of us that are, that are living on the edge that, that, uh, that don't believe that, we'll, we'll, we love to tithe, man. I, and we'll tell everybody, I give 10%. What are you doing with the other 90%? I give 10% and 90%. But the truth is 100% is God's. Before we settle in and look at Deuteronomy chapter 8, I just want to read a couple of passages of Scripture to you very quickly. Leviticus 25, 23 says this, For the land belongs to me. You, us, are only foreigners and tenant farmers working for me. Who's the land belong to? God. You may have your name on that deed, but guess who owns it? Guess who created it, as a matter of fact? Haggai 2.8, this is what it says. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of heaven's armies. Here's God wanting the temple to be rebuilt. Their temple to be rebuilt. And guess who had the resources to build it? God did. They're his. All the resources. Romans eleven thirty six, And I love this. For everything. Now, I don't know how you translate everything, but they say in the Greek that everything means everything. Everything is everything. Everything that you can imagine, it's everything. For everything comes from Him. Who's Him? God. For everything comes from Him, God, and exists by His power. Whose power? God's power. And is intended for His glory. So here's God. Everything belongs to Him. He created it. It comes from Him. It exists by His power, intended for His glory. And He goes on to say, all glory to Him forever and ever. The psalmist says this in Psalms 24.1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and its people belong to Him. Who's the owner? God is. So make sure you write down point one. Bottom line, God is the owner. It's the foundational truth of what we're going to be standing and what we're going to learn here over the, over the next several weeks. And once we acknowledge that, man, life becomes so much simpler. Psalmist goes on to say just a little bit later in Psalms 50, he says, even the cattle on the hills, a thousand hills are the Lord's. Wow. They're His. So with this in mind, setting the backdrop, I want you to look at the book of Deuteronomy in the Old Testament. I want you to look at Deuteronomy chapter 8. I want to read through this to you today as, as we sort of begin with this bottom line. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 10 through 18. And to sort of give you a little bit of a backdrop, here's God had, had taken 
the people of Israel had removed them out, had rescued them from, from the Egyptians. They had been in slavery for 400 years. God is, is leading them on a journey to the promised land, but as a result, um, they became prideful, they became faithless. So God allowed them to wander around in the desert for 40 years, yet even wandering in that desert, God provided for them. And so here's Moses. He's getting ready to speak to this, the children of this faithless generation, and he's going to remind them of God's faithfulness, and he's going to tell them to, to continue to have hope and faith in God, not only to obey his laws and commands, but also teach them to his children. So they're getting ready to enter in, and Moses sits them all down, and he instructs them. And, and as they're getting ready, he says, listen, you guys are fixing to go into a land that I tell you what's going to blow your socks off. He said, you've been running around this crazy desert eating manna and all this other stuff that God's provided, by the way. He said, but what you're fixing to experience is more than anything you could ever dream or imagine. The houses that you're going to see, the fortified cities, are not something that you built with your own hand, but you're going to be able to experience the blessings of that. And he said, the vineyards that you're going to, that you're going to see, that you're going to reap the harvest, the fields, you're going to reach, you didn't plant that, but you're going to reap the benefits. You're going to experience the blessings. But it's all going to be because of the goodness of God's love. And he gets down and he says this, when you get to the land and you begin to experience the greatness and the wonders, and all of a sudden you find yourself living comfortably, I want to remind you, don't forget who God is. I don't want you to forget who God is and the fact that he owns it all. And when you experience the blessings, don't just fall into the trap of taking God for granted. Now, I know you've never done that before. But this is where we want to pick it up. Read with me here in verse 10 in Deuteronomy. And let's read as we walk through this passage of Scripture today, looking at the bottom line that God owns it all. Moses starts out with this advice, and listen to what he says. When you've eaten your fill, be sure to praise the Lord your God for the good land he's given. How often do you thank the Lord? Most of us, maybe when you sit down at a meal. How many of us spend time thanking the Lord outside of mealtime? I mean, have you ever just stopped and just given thanks, maybe for a job, a paycheck, um, maybe about the pillow that you lay your head down on at night? You take the guys that went to Nicaragua and you, and you ask them now some things that they're thankful for because of what they experienced, some things that used to not be so important. All of a sudden, they, man, I'm thankful for toilet paper. <laughs> you know, I'm thankful for air conditioning. And they can give you a list of things that they're thankful for. But it's so easy to, to be filled. And all of a sudden, in the midst of our comfortability, we forget God's blessings. Um, it's easy to become complacent when we're satisfied. Look at what he says here. Verse 11. But that's the time to be careful. When you're filled and everything's going well, that's the time to be careful. Be careful. He said, beware that in your plenty you do not forget the Lord your God and disobey His commands and regulations and decrees that I'm giving you today. It's so easy that, that when, when things are going well to let your guard down and all of a sudden, hey man, I want you to look at me. Look at the number of things that I've acquired. Look at my life. Um, and in that season of life and that comfortability to move away from God. You ever done that before? You ever found, maybe you might be even there today. You've, you've, things are going well, and all of a sudden you find yourself not in necessarily in a place that you once used to be at in, in closeness to the Lord. You've been filled. When things are going good, it might be a promotion, a raise, kids are doing well, and it's easy to take those things for granted. You contribute it to maybe to your hard work, your intellect, 
uh, you know, just, you know, karma. Leaved God completely out of the process. And all of a sudden we developed this attitude that uh, I'm more dependent on myself than I am the Lord. He goes on to say and look at verse 12. For when you've become full and prosperous and you've built fine homes to live in, when your flocks and herds have become very large and your silver and gold have multiplied with everything else, be careful. Don't become proud. And at that time, forget the Lord your God. By the way, the one who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. And I think what Moses is saying, you know what? We don't intentionally set out to forget. But it happens, doesn't it? I mean, some of us have experienced some unbelievable things in life, and it's just easy to forget. A few, few years or a few months or a few years down the line, it's easy to forget significant things as we become complacent. We forget all, I, I forget all kinds of stuff all the time. Some of you might be here today and you've forgotten some really significant things, and as a result, you're in trouble. You might have forgot your wife's birthday or anniversary. It's easy to forget. Uh, I, I, sometimes I, I think about this. You know, I did really well, number one, in marrying Meredith. You know, her birthday is February the 10th, and so as soon as we start getting close to Valentine's Day, regardless, I know that's more sort of my reminder. That's my, that's my uh, thing on my finger to help me remind and then we got married on July the, uh, July the uh, what day, 9th. And so I, <laughs> so, I, so I know as soon as July the 4th gets close, I know that we know we got an anniversary deal. Uh, we've been sort of planning the past six months. We will celebrate our 25th wedding anniversary next year. And uh, so we, have, we already have plans of what our 25th, I've never been a part of something that took so long to plan and it was so easy and we ended up back where we said we weren't going to do it to start off with. But, but anyway, but Moses warns and he says this, be careful because it's so easy to forget. And in the midst of forgetting, what slips in is pride. You move from humility to, uh, to pride to say, look at me, my talents, my abilities, my earnings. Look at what I've done. Look at what I've accomplished. It's all because of me. And Solomon says this. He said, one of the things that God hates is what? Pride. One of the commentaries that I read said this in reference to pride. It said it's that voice within us that says, I can do it. I can do it. Anybody you ever heard your kids say that before? I can do it. Just let me. I can do it. In other words, God, I really don't need you. And the presence of pride means the absence of humility. James is the one that says, humble yourself before the Lord, and he is the one that will lift you up. We spend so much time trying to lift ourselves up, and God said, listen, if you'll just trust me and humble yourselves, I'm the one that will lift you up. Moses 8.15, do not forget that he, who? He, who? God. Do not forget he, who? God led you through the great terrifying wilderness and its poisonous snakes and scorpions where it is so hot and dry. He gave you water to drink from the rock. He fed you with the manna in the wilderness, a food unknown to your ancestors. And He did this to humble you, to test you for your own good. Now remember this. God doesn't test us to draw us away from Him. Remember we learned in the book of James there's trials and there's testing, uh, there's temptations. God doesn't tempt us. Who tempts us? Satan tempts us. And why does he tempt us? Because he wants to draw us away from the Lord. God would allow us to walk through trials and, uh, trials and tests, but why does he do that? Because he loves us, because he wants to draw us 
to him. And Moses says this to the Israelites. He says, listen, as you're getting, I want to remind you guys of your history. I want to remind you of the greatness of who God is and his ownership. And he said, I, want you to, I don't want you to ever forget who is responsible for our provision as a people. That God was the source of all of our blessings. And he didn't want them to lose sight of God's greatness. Because you know what? With time, it's easy for the story to get changed. You ever done that before where you've told a story and over a period of time the story sort of, yeah, I think we've all been there. The story's gotten changed over time. It goes from look what God did to look what I did. Verse 17 and 18, he did all this so that you would never say to yourself, I have achieved this wealth and with my own strength and energy. Remember the Lord your God for he is the one who gave you power to be successful in order for, to fulfill the covenant he confirmed to the ancestors with an oath. You know, it's interesting that he starts off this, this passage with this warning, do not forget, which is sort of a, a passive act. Do not forget if I get around to it. And here he ends it saying, I want you to actively remember. In other words, I want you to do something that's intentional, something that's active, that indicates a sharp, controlled discipline of mind. I want you to proceed in life, guys, but I, don't, I do not want you to forget. Be careful, but listen, remember. Remember, what were some of the ways in the Old Testament that God's people remembered God's faithfulness? What were some, what were some of the things? Huh? Feast? Festivals? Altars? Memorials that were built? And so they learned as a people of God to, to participate. You know, the Sabbath, to, to honor God on the Sabbath, to gather during a time to give honor, recognition, to remember who God is. Um, you know, today we talk about remembering something. It might be, you know, tying something on your finger. It might be writing a date down on the calendar. I don't know. Meredith has a bracelet. Some of you women probably have a bracelet that you've got different charms and stuff that helps you remember certain dates. Um, remembrance, something that's active, it's really important. See, in the New Testament, Jesus gave something for us to remember his sacrifice. And it was that called what? It's the Lord's Supper. Do not forget but do this in remembrance of me. So here's God the owner. Here he is. Um, and he owns everything. He owns the land and everything in it. But he also wants us, Moses wants us not to forget that not only that, but, but everything that flows, flows from God. See, God's the one that gives you the abilities. God's the one that gives you the talents. God's the one that gives you the opportunities. He's the one that gives you the strength. He's the one that allows you to, to have that face-to-face -face meeting with somebody. I was in a, in a luncheon this past week and talking to somebody, and they were sharing with me what God had done since he was such a great God. And here were the circumstances that God had allowed. And now, looking back, he saw what God was doing. He couldn't see it during that time. But now looking back, he could see the hand of God putting him in front of certain people. And all of a sudden, he's in a place that he thought he'd never be. And he said, man, I give all the, I give all the praise and all the honor to God. It didn't have anything to do with my intellect. It didn't, didn't, didn't have anything to do that I was a great teacher or I was a great coach. He said, but God opened the doors. He provided. It's God the one who gives. And the, Bible's, and the Bible teaches this. And I love this. See, God's provision is predictable, but His methods are not. His provision is predictable, but His methods are not. Um, I think one of the most humbling experiences that I have ever had in life was walking through the early stages 
of heritage. And I, I, there, are things that, there are things that took place that I'll never forget in seeing and, and acknowledging the fact in the, in, the, in the smallest things, God, you're God, and you own it all. You know, you're a provider. And I, I watched God multiply the loaves and fishes, and he still multiplies the loaves and fishes. And I think it just doesn't make sense on a piece of paper. But God owns it all. Just back, you know, early on, I, just a couple of things. You know, when, when somebody stands up and they offer two houses to be used for free, and that was what Brian used to start off. We didn't, we didn't even pay anybody. Here we get, we end up with two houses. People just come to us. It wasn't like we asked. They said, listen, we have a house. We want you to be able to use it. I'm thinking, you've got to be crazy. You mean you're, you're losing rent and you, want, and, all the, and you want to use it for free? We had that happen last year. We we're in the process of trying to say, God, what are you doing? And all of a sudden, here's somebody else. Other people call us same two, within two days. Don't even attend Heritage. Um, one of them didn't, and the other one did, does. Um, but I, I'm thinking, what in the world, God, are you doing? And then all of a sudden, we have these conversations about, God, what are you doing? What are you trying to show us? And, and what, are you, what are you doing? Looking at hiring two other part-time staff and sitting down and looking at the paper, go, it just doesn't work. But God, you're the owner. We know that you've already provided the resources to make happen what you want to happen. And to go back and to look how, those, how God has met those needs when on a piece of paper it just didn't make any sense. God owns it, though. God owns it. He owns every bit of it. I remember um, with all the stresses, where's John West? John West remembers. I picked up a dime out of the middle of the woods. You remember that, don't you, John? I was picking him, picking him up of a deer stand. And here I am, and I'm praying. This is my whole prayer as I'd, I'd taken those guys hunting. And my, this was my prayer. God, I want to see you, and I want to hear your voice. And I'm not going to go into the whole story, but a part of that, when I, went, when I went to pick John up, I was asking, okay, God, but how in the world are you going to do all this stuff? And I'm out in the middle of the woods, and I get out of the truck, and I'm walking to get John, and on the ground, there's a dime. And I heard the Lord speak to me and say, I own the cattle on a thousand hills. Don't you think I can take care of you in heritage? He said, I've been doing this for a long time. <laughs> Just doesn't make any sense, but God's, God's the owner, which brings me to the second point. Not only is he the owner, but he's also the distributor. See, God distributes as he desires. Point number one, God owns it all. Point number two, God distributes as he pleases. Because he's owner, he can do with it whatever he wants to. He can give it to whoever he wants to, whenever he wants to, and how much ever he wants to. That's his, that's his opportunity. Matthew 25, we, we heard the parable talked about the other day. The gist of the story was the master was getting ready to leave town to go on a journey, and so he calls together a couple of his servants. He gives one five talents, five bags, uh, five issues of, of silver. He gives another two bags, gives another one. And he says, I want you guys, I'm going to entrust this to you. I'm going to entrust you. So the owner takes and he gives a talent, and he gives it to them. See, the owner has the right. But those of us that receive that are the stewards, and we have the responsibility. A steward, if you want to write this down, is a person that is given, that is, uh, that is, that is given an amount of property, uh, the opportunity to manage somebody's property, their finances, or other affairs or assets. The owner is the one who decides who gets what. It's the steward's responsibility to manage the master's resources in such a way that it pleases him. 
God's the owner. You're the steward. Let's that to sink in for you today. God's the owner and you're the steward. And your responsibility, my responsibility, is to manage God's resources that he gives us whenever he wants to, to whomever he wants to, um, how much ever he wants to. And it's our responsibility to manage those resources in such a way that it's pleasing to him. Now, this is our first thought. <laughs> Man, that first guy, he, he really, and the guy with one talent, he, he got gypped, didn't he? That's right where our mind goes. If I were to stand up here today and give somebody a dollar, another person two dollars, and another person five dollars, and go, man, listen, I love you, man. I want you to go. Bless, I want you to go use that and and and, uh, and just go do something for yourself. You'd go. Well, why did he give the one five and the one one and the one two? Well, the one guy, my kids would say, that's not fair. You ever hollered that before with God? God, that's just not fair. I mean, why in the world have you blessed this person? And God, why aren't you blessing me? The owner can do with his resources whatever he wants to do. He can bless whoever he wants to, whenever he wants to, with how much ever he wants to. It's the steward's responsibility to be responsible with those resources. James would have said this, whatever is good and perfect comes down from us, from our Father in heaven who created the lights in the heavens. God gives us the resources. He allows us to be a steward, not just so that we can consume, but that we can carry out his kingdom. That's a big deal. We can extend his kingdom to accomplish his will. So if God's the owner, he distributes as he pleases, and he blesses those he wished to bless, here's the deal. With whatever God has given me, I must be faithful. The question isn't how much I have been given. The question is, what am I doing with what I have been given? That's the question. I want you to watch this video clip. How you doing? You know, I'm going to open a can of worms with this one, I think, all right? This one here is the big enchilada amigos, all right? So you're going to have to forgive me in advance if this stings a little. You're going to have to, going to, have to cut me a little slack if this conviction challenges you because I never want to do that. No, what I'm about to talk about is things people don't like to talk about. It goes up there with religion and politics. It's one of those things you don't talk about if all you want to do is make friends. No. This one here, this is a little different because the love of this thing, the love of it, you know what I'm saying, is the root of all kinds of evil. But on the other hand, without it, you can't do much good. All right, you crack the code yet? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, money. M-O-N-E-Y. Yeah, the almighty dollar, the cash, the cabbage, the greenbacks, the gravy, the loot, the moolah, whatever you want to call it. You know what I'm saying? I got my own personal favorite, the dead president. The higher number on the dollar bill, the goofier the president, the more hands want to touch a ego figure. You know what? You ask a lot of questions about these presidential papers, don't we? Yeah. How are we going to spend? How am I going to use it? My own personal favorite? Huh? Huh? How am I going to act like I don't have any? So my relatives don't bother me anymore. Or how am I going to miss the offering plate every time it passes by? And of course, the dominant Republican question, how am I going to invest and how do I keep it from the IRS? Yeah, money. The big, big question. But there's one question we always get out. At least I do. Whose is it? I mean, whose money is it really? That is the million dollar question part of the pond, right? I know some might say, hey, it's my money because I work hard with these hands. Yeah? Who gave you the hands, buddy? Right? You're smarter than some who gave you the brains. You're driven who gave you the ambition. Right? I, I know you can arrange a lot of things on your own, but you can't tell me you arrange your birthplace, who your parents were, who your friends are going to be, what schools you went to, the technology that was going to be there, the people that came before you to pave the way, the people are here now. 
to lighten the load. Huh? You didn't arrange that, did you? Should I go on? No, 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 I don't think so. You know, I suppose all I'm trying to say is this, people, all right? I got a big wake-up call last year. I got my kid at Xbox 360. I threw it on the floor. Boom, that's yours. I got every possible imaginable accessory that there is. Everyone you can think of, the cordless wireless bang-bang, the flip-flop, the hip-yap, everything you can possibly think of. Even through an HD plasma so everybody can see it beautifully. A couple of dozen games said, hey, we're off to a good start. One day I come home and I said, hey, son, you mind if I play the game? We're only sitting there over in the corner. Maybe Dad can give it a shot. You know what he says to me? No, that's mine. Wait your turn. Needless to say, I did a 180 on the 360. And now that sucker sits comfortably in my own personal home theater. And I'm the only one with the key. You know why? Because everything in that baby is mine. Gosh. Some of you guys are going, I'm, this is mine. I'm taking it back this afternoon. This is the bottom line. God's the owner and he distributes as he pleases. But listen to me very carefully. We are, we are complacent as Americans. Just coming off a trip, we're very complacent. The poorest person in this room, whoever that may be, is a rich man compared to where we were. And you know what happens when we become complacent and all of a sudden we get in a place that our riches and all, and all of a sudden that, that, that uh, some of the things that we dream about begin to happen and, uh, and, we, and, and we experience greatness. It's, it's so easy for us to become complacent and forget who the owner is. And the more we have, it's easier for us to waste resources. That was one of the things that I noticed about Nicaragua. They, didn't, they don't waste an awful lot because they don't have an awful lot. I come back home and Meredith says it causes conflicts. Every time you go there, it causes conflicts. <laughs> Baby, I'm taking you with me next time. <clears throat> but, but seriously, and it is, and it, and it becomes so conflictual because you're, all of a sudden you're taken out of a culture and you're put into another culture and you see just how blessed we really are. <coughs> this is what I want you to do this next week. I want you to spend time not just thanking God for the food that he puts on the table, but I want you to spend time analyzing just really what are you thankful for and do you acknowledge him as owner of everything? Because I promise you, unless you're reminded of that on a daily basis, you'll forget, just like Moses said we would. And so whatever it is, that will prompt you this week. I, I pray that even, even as a family you would talk. I've been trying to work on that this week. And I ask him at the table, you know, what do you think? Well, I'm thankful for you, Dad. Well, I'm thankful for my, oh, I'm thankful for God. You know, and, and <clears throat> somebody got that one off the table. And, and we just get all the biblical ones. But you know what? When you really start thinking about it, so many things we take for granted. The bed, pillow, clothes you wear, the friends you have. Toilet paper, <laughs> everything, the smallest of things. And I'm praying that you this next week, that all of a sudden that you'll begin to go, God, thank you that you're owner and that, and that I want to acknowledge and I want to give thanks. We as a nation are headed for a downfall. And you hear me, unless we repent and turn. And I say that boldly, prophetically, and not only say that as a nation, but I say that as individuals. You may be in a season of much right now. 
don't become complacent. And don't think that you are the source of those blessings. But God is. God's the owner. He distributes as he pleases. It's not how much you got, but it's how are you using those resources that you have. God doesn't want anything from you. He wants something for you. Listen, don't you think if the IRS can take it from you, don't you think God can suck it up anytime he wants to? He can. Anytime he wants to. God's the owner. He distributes as he pleases. And he wants to bless us. Why? Because he loves us. Not because he has to, but because he wants to. And why does he want to bless us? Because he wants to extend his kingdom. We are the stewards. How are you managing the master's resources? It's a challenge for us this next week. The other thing I want you to understand is this, to acknowledge God. One of the greatest things that we have the opportunity to be thankful for is our salvation. And it doesn't come as a result of how you spend your finances. But it, has a, it comes as a result of where your trust lies and the fact that Jesus died on the cross to save us of our sins. And it's so easy to even be complacent in that. Would you even go back this next week for those of us that are believers here and thank God for the fact that he died on a cross for you and revisit your salvation experience? For those of you that have never trusted Christ, my question would be this. What is it that keeps you from making the most important decision of your life? It's life-changing. Because when we view things from God's perspective and we choose to live as God intended us to live, it has a way of changing the way that we do life. I'm looking forward to this series on money. It's going to be a fun time. And no, we're not in financial straits at Heritage. No. God's blessed us. And those budget lines that we said, God, we got a need. But you know what? I don't want to be complacent where we are. Because I think God's got greater things in store for us. I just wonder what it would like if those of us that called ourselves God's people were to use our resources in such a way that it honored God. What in the world would be the potential of a community of believers that lived that way? It'd be unbelievable. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for this day today. You are God. You are the owner. Every good and perfect gift comes from you. Father, it's not the fact you want something for us, from us, but you want something for us. And as we begin, the bottom line for us today is coming back to the basics and reminding ourselves, God, that you're the owner. But it's so easy for us to forget. So call us back to a place right now. Call us right back to a place, to the basics of reminding ourselves. And Lord, if, if there's some of us in this room today that are complacent, and I've been there, I've had to go back and I've had to ask God for forgiveness. Father, please forgive me for this area. Help me to be a wise steward of the resources that you've entrusted me with. Father, if there's, if there's adjustments that need to be made, I pray that you would be the one that, as Holy Spirit, Father, moves, that, that, that the ears would hear what you, what you share and life change would take place. There are some people in here that may be up under tremendous amounts of financial stress. I know there are. Statistics tells me that. And, Father, this is what I want to tell them. There's hope. There's hope. And it's not because of the management skills, but it's becomes the hope comes as, as an acknowledgement when we understand who the owner is. And, Father, we submit to your, to your, um, your principles and what God's Word has to say. 
So over this series, Father, may we be encouraged. May we do away with some of the perceptions and the implications that may cause us to, to be in conflict. And, and Father, may we be free to talk about finances here over the next several weeks and as we learn from your word what God's word has to say. May we enjoy the conversations and, and not be afraid. Um, help us, Father, as we seek, as we're on this journey of faith, to not only just continue to grow, but, Father, to bring others along in the journey with us. I pray that you, as we go out these doors that you'll use us to be instruments of your grace. Father, I pray that we, as we go out these doors, Father, that as we communicate with people, that our intent will be to leave a legacy of faith as we live it out in our daily basis. Bless us now as we go. Encourage us. And for the person that may be here today that don't know Christ, that, aren't, that may not be on that journey of faith, may they be, even be willing at the end of our time, at the end of the amen, to come to me and say, I don't know Jesus, but I want to know him. Thank you, Father, for this day. Encourage us this next week. In Jesus' name, amen.